0: Hi and welcome to the Keen Withers podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly and I'm with Brendan. Brendan, say hello.
1: Hello all. It is I, Brendan.
0: It's, it's, it is Brendan, uh, paramour to a uh, featured guest on the podcast and my former manager, Kat, <laughs> uh, who was on the Orc episode <laughs>
1: Which I got is, in because of nepotism. It's great. Yeah,
0: you fully, fully did. And also, I need more men's on this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, don't, that was a bad time to take a drink, bud. <laughs> bad time.
1: <laughs> I got this. I'll get uh, I'll get the rhythm down. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, take a drink. Just know that I am the one who has to listen to your mouth sounds. So, if you hate me, um, I guess now's your moment.
1: <laughs> your audience doesn't have like a, there's there's no avenue where you're like, I have an entire audience dedicated to mouth sounds.
0: Oh, like oh, this is we we're not doing an ASMR cast. We're we're not doing that. Uh, Fred keeps trying to make this into an ASMR podcast by doing mouth sounds, which I cut out of every single episode. I think there's four or five every single one, and um, I'm traumatized.
1: You could do so. like a master b roll afterwards, just all the <sighs> mouth sounds across the series.
0: <gasps> you know what? <laughs> Just do, like, dude, when we release our Patreon, we'll just do, like, the uncut episodes of, like, Fred's mouth sounds like an hour long of him just, like, doing a tongue flappy. Just a little bit of, like, a... Ugh, no, no. Uh, Anyway, anyway, this this is Kingdom of Thirst Podcast. We talk about romance novels. You know the deal. First question I always ask a new uh, guest is, how do you feel about romance novels?
1: I don't read enough of them, probably. Okay. But I'm super, super down to always okay. read new romance novels.
0: Ha- well, have you read some in the past?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, outside of like obviously school education, you'll probably come across one or two. But like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I mean, in my earliest, I don't know if you constitute them necessarily as romance novels, but I, mm-hmm. I was, I was really into like. Like, the classic gothic literature, I read a lot of Anne Rice because of my mother, or I read Wuthering Heights, and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of a weird romance, but, like...
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean... You look back on... Bella Swan
0: "Mm -hmm." was super into it, so...
1: Yeah, but look where that turned out.
0: Yeah, she got, like, a rich-ass husband and immortal life, like, whatever. I mean, she, like, had a baby eat her way out of her, but, you know, you lose
1: And she is, like, unfortunately into khakis, but, like, aside from that...
0: no. Aren't we all?
1: I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we might all be.
0: We might all be in the khakis. We don't know it yet, but but we are. We're just we're all half a step away of being sexually attracted to khakis at any yeah. moment. You'll never half know. Half an hour after this
1: episode, I slip on some khakis. I see myself in the mirror. I'm like, oh. That's it. Awakening has happened.
0: It's here. Uh so I I I enjoy having people on who have read romance novels or who at least appreciate uh, romance novels. I think that um, it people have read more romance novels than I think they often realize they've read. Um, Like you said, like, you know, a lot of times romance novels are kind of disguised as like, you know, gothic literature or like, you know, Anne Rice. And they'll say like, oh, I'm not actually writing romance novel, but like, if your central theme is romance and if they don't die at the end, it's technically a romance novel. Yeah. Like, if it has a happy ending and it's centered on romance, I hate to break it to you, dog, but it's a romance novel.
1: Yeah, if it's 400 pages of technically it's about vampires or about adventuring or about... But it's still 400 pages of a love letter to the character that you made along mm-hmm. the way, then, like, eh, it's not really subtext at that point. It's just no. your actual text.
0: No, but I got beef with Anne Rice, so... Um, i
1: mean you know, yeah I that's fair me. yeah um
0: you know if you know you know
1: <laughs> uh, the unfortunate trajectory of <laughs> very strange segues into yeah. mm. not romance no. or maybe it is maybe no. it's just a romance i am not familiar with she
0: does she writes erotica she writes oh she she's written a lot of erotica but oh that's, i'm familiar that's... That's not fucking why that I have I've got beef with her. I've got beef with her from way, from way, 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 way back. But that's that's not the Anne Rice episode. Today's yes. episode is we're not doing a deep dive. We're not doing a step-by-step through through a single book. Although that was kind of originally uh-huh. my plan. Um I read a book in September and I was like, this would be a good one for Brendan, because Brendan hmm. likes campy shit like I like campy shit.
1: <laughs> I do, it must be said.
0: We we both like Paris the Caribbean.
1: Um, as everyone should. That is yes. a modern classic.
0: And we both like the mummy, as evidenced by my absolutely dope-ass Brendan Fraser sweatshirt that I'm now currently wearing.
1: I'm so sad that the rest of you can't see this. It is an absolutely fabulous sweatshirt. And, and it's also, falling well apart. Worn. Yeah.
0: It's, this is i got like three months ago it is just with each wash it's really just crumbling a lot like uh imhotep does at the at the end of of the mummy uh, 1999 it's um, it's good
1: that though i can see it says the mummy i also can't tell if it was supposed to be a question mark at the end or if it's just something else that has faded it just says there's the a mummy. question mark
0: there's a question mark up here that says it says uh, across the top uh, the mummy and then below that in much more uh fun and funky font um more like the daddy
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah where did you find this this Um, must have been made
0: V v saw an instagram ad and sent it to me was like haha isn't this hilarious and she she didn't realize that i would then immediately buy it (laughs) Um, she was like i would have bought it for you as like a gift and i was like no there was no impulse control (laughs) this had to happen
1: that there, nor could there ever have been. As yeah. soon as you show that to somebody, like all bets are off, that you know, they're going to do as they please with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely fabulous! I can send you the link. Worth every penny. I mean, oh, it is just do. utterly disintegrated, but it, it it is it is worth it.
1: My my coworkers will hate it. It'll be so. Oh, good.
0: fantastic! That's the only reason to wear this. Also, it's a very comfy sweatshirt. I recommend getting a size up. A plus. Anyway, so we're talking about camp today. We're talking about cringe today we're talking about things that have been commodified by uh the capitalist entertainment infrastructure and sort of uh mocked then by those indie fucks who think they're better than than nerds um yes this you know i felt like this was a good one for you bud because you know you and i we unabashedly love silly shit and this is it this is it
1: and we do love to talk about those indie fucks with their parodies. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I I brought this idea up to both Fred and V, who are uh, self-aware enough to admit that they are super utterly pretentious. Um, oh, and yes. and they, they both just went, oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, so this is, yeah. The um, perfect,
1: the perfect storm. Let's do this. The perfect storm. I'm so okay. excited now. Ugh. I'm
0: going to set a scene for you.
1: Set the scene. I will stand it's... on the stage and watch it unravel.
0: Don't stand on the stage. Get in the fucking seats. What's wrong with you?
1: I need to experience it. Go on. Go on. Go <laughs> <Okay>. on.
0: <laughs> so it is 2009. I am 15. It's the week before Halloween. And my French exchange student is here in my mm-hmm. house. None of the other French exchange students have ever experienced Halloween. So I, being my magnanimous self and with the driving need to be the center of attention at all times, have decided that we're going to throw a Halloween party at my house for the French kids and their host families. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to spread fake blood that will stain every wall across every surface of my house. I'm going to string up a metric ton of spiderwebs. I'm going to uh, burn myself so badly pulling cookies out of the oven just as people are arriving that I had to stick my hand in the freezer for 10 minutes. And I'm going to make myself a costume. Now I can
1: get myself into the scene. This seems like something I could have theoretically experienced.
0: You could have. I also ended up uh, falling so so hard uh, that night because my shoelaces on my funky little lace up boots um, uh, <laughs> caught as I was walking in the like house. Um, that I like, I, I ate shit so badly that both of my legs were black and blue the next day. Anyway, no one saw me. It was fine. However. My costume was one that I put so much effort into. I painted, I... Uh, well, let's just say, I, liberally speaking, I sewed. I, I pinned things sure. and and used thread in a way that sort of, kind of, eventually created a garment that I then had to cut myself out of later. Yeah, um, yeah. Things were attached I, to
1: other things, and it vaguely looked like something you intended. Yes, we We went
0: to TJ Maxx, and I, I found myself one of those little half jackets, one of those little shitty half jackets from 2009. You know what I'm talking those about? Those
1: perfect half jackets, yes. It was a little sailor familiar. ditty, you know? Yeah.
0: And I don't know if you can guess what my costume was based on that description if I tell you that the thing that I made was a bustle skirt.
1: A bustle skirt with a half jacket, and there's also painting involved? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay,
0: Uh
1: okay. Is the painting supposed to be the elaborate um, lettering? And, um, possibly, like, sim- uh, symbols on the back of your jacket that you use to identify yourself in your clique?
0: Alas, no. Damn it. It was for my goggles.
1: It was for your goggles? A bustle skirt and goggles and a half... I mean, this just sounds like, like exactly what I'm wearing right now, funnily <laughs> enough. But... So, so then, so then, was, is this a person or is this just a, just a moot, just a feel?
0: This it was nothing specific except at the time I was in the heat the the brightest moment of my steampunk phase.
1: Oh yes, okay, so we're going for a full genre here. Oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see the brass accoutrements and probably a pocket watch. And... I d-
0: I did take apart an old alarm clock. <laughs> I- spray painted and like stuck it on my goggles
1: yes for the gears mm-hmm. oh yes yes oh, this is perfect
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay okay so a halloween party and you are a steampunk vision
0: yes yes i and i you know i don't particularly know why i was so into steampunk i i think i just uh, if i'm I was trying to trace the, the vein because there wasn't any particular media that I was really interested in. Like, there wasn't, like, a movie or, or as we're going to talk about today, a book that I was like, oh, yeah, steampunk, right? I think I just really liked the aesthetic because, duh. Uh, I liked corsets. I liked fashion. You know, I liked this like, really intricate fashion. I was just starting to get into fashion history. Um, but I think, honestly, it comes mostly from DeviantArt. I think that was that also reads. the time, yeah, where I was like really into DeviantArt and just starting to post art on there. And there was a lot of like these like DeviantArt models who would like dress up in like cyberpunk and steampunk stuff. And like, you know, they'd the say The golden like, oh,
1: age of 2009. Yeah.
0: yeah, back before DeviantArt like changed their whole algorithm and everyone got super pissed about what got on the front page. And so they all quit DeviantArt.
1: Oh, is that what happened? Mm-hmm. I mean, it still must be running.
0: It's still running, and they've made it very glossy now. I can't imagine anyone uses it. I actually went on there the other day because I was like, "Is my shit still active? Because it shouldn't be."
1: And <laughs> you go back, and you're like, "Oh dear, what Pandora's box have I reopened?"
0: At least I never put stock photos of myself on there uh, for people to use.
1: Probably a so, plus. Yeah. Yeah,
0: could have been worse. Could have been worse. So, in this in this moment in time. Abigail is 15. She's having a a Halloween party. She's in her ridiculous bustle skirt. It's 2009. Uh, I'm in my sophomore year of high school. I haven't had my wisdom teeth taken out yet. This is sort of in the the waning age of what we would call steampunk popularity. Because around 2006, that's when steampunk was picked up. More or less by the uh, by Hollywood and by the mainstream media as something that was viable. They kind of commodified it in two thousand six. Absolutely, so this is kind of like the 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 downward swell of the wave. Um, did I did I know that? No, did I ever do anything steampunk after this? Also, no. But like this moment for me meant a lot.
1: <laughs> this was your high point. Mm-hmm. S- screw Like, steampunk can have its own thing, mm-hmm. but for Abigail, this was the peak.
0: I want you to know that my little bustle skirt that I made, it was a mini bustle skirt, by the way. It was a of mini. Of course and it al- was. And also, it was made of blue satin. Baby blue satin. Yes. So, <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I wore fishnets under it, if I'm not mistaken. Almost certainly, of course. Um,
1: and then knee-high oh, boots or, like, heeled boots? Like, they were, like, the...
0: like, little Victorian high-heeled boots. Of course um, they were and they they kept coming undone and so the laces would hook onto the hook on the other foot as i and was walking you. and 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 then trip me <laughs> yes i'm very familiar um, yes <laughs> yes yes um because those fucking little hook things on boots are are the bane of my existence the speed lacing my,
1: yeah, yeah my
0: feet my feet like rub against each other anyway it's a whole thing but <laughs> we're not going to get into that today what we are going to talk about is steampunk as a genre but specifically romance in steampunk uh okay. in, in today's world so what do you know about the origin of steampunk brendan
1: the or okay so my my coming into the world of steampunk was drawn similarly i I suppose i was never on DeviantArt, but i was on things like gaia online oh well, of course you um,
0: were yeah, yeah!
1: where people were going to dress up their avatars in very similar attire. There was a lot of steampunk on there. I Ooh, think yeah. I think it was a pl- uh, play by post like role playing <laughs> forum probably attached to like Eye Online or something where like steampunk was first uh, introduced to me and I was like, "Okay, cool. I saw my first thing. I'm like, that's a very interesting aesthetic and like they have steam powered like gear weaponry with like a mm-hmm. valve on it." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, awesome." And then I see like that's all. That's happening. I'm like, oh, this is a this is a full-fledged thing. This wasn't just one person's mad vision. No, no, no. This is this is something. <laughs> what I can absolute madman. Which I'm sure would have just thrilled them. Yes, the mad scientist. Yeah. Look, that's what I was going for. Um, mm-hmm. but aside from that, I, I fell into steampunk very accidentally that way. And I have no concept of from whence it came or okay. how we can put it back there.
0: Okay. So uh, I want to say at the top here, 15 minutes in, uh, that this kind of came to me, this episode came to me when I was reading this book in September, um, called The Iron Duke by Jean Brooke, um, oh. also known as Mila Vane. Um, oh. Yeah, she writes a lot of romance novels. Um, I hadn't come near anything steampunky since...
1: You were 15. God,
0: since I was about 15. I mean, I did... F- <laughs> Page, page will get on me if I do not mention that I did force her to watch Wild Wild West three years ago, uh, two years ago. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, and so she has never forgiven talk. me. Uh did Did you know that you can see Will Smith's whole balls in that movie?
1: I don't remember that, but now that I know it, you can be sure I'm going to go figure out. It's <laughs> gotta got to be on Netflix or something.
0: Yeah, so he, when he's in the beginning, when he's climbing out of the bathtub, you can see his whole balls.
1: I'm framing so... that on my wall now. Yeah. Had I known this, it would have been there for years. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, it's not something that I've really, you know, approached as my, like, tastes have widened and as my, like, desire for history has kind of expanded beyond the scope of what I think a lot of uh, Western media thinks that history is, which is basically just Victorians. Right. Um, and, like, I guess the Middle Ages sometimes, right, if you're lucky, but mostly we just want to talk about, like... The Victorian era um yeah. and I got kind of bored of that I think and I frankly I'm still pretty bored of it so I, I skipped it's a
1: it. limited it's a bit limited as a, yeah, yeah
0: yeah and and so I, I stumbled across this book called the Iron Duke and I was like camera's okay, gonna give it a try this one sounds good and I'd forgotten how fun it was um now if you I, I realize that I haven't even explained what steampunk is <laughs> If you've gotten this far, yes. I, I hope you know, but in case you don't, um, I'm just going to give you the, literally the definition for Merriam-Webster, because this is a good place to start, because I think it is so wholly inadequate, um, but <laughs> does the job. So, uh, for Merriam-Webster, it's a genre of science fiction that has a historical setting and typically features steam-powered machinery rather than advanced technology. Um so typically, the, the, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're going to dive into why that it's, is so wholly inadequate. It's not inadequate, wrong,
1: but wrong, but it's like definitely not doing the work.
0: Super wicked wrong. Um, yeah. So basically, usually steampunk takes place in some sort of, uh, what I read as neo Victorian future where, you know, advanced technology exists, but it's all like, Gears and and flying uh, zeppelins and and like stuff anachronistically advanced stuff. Yeah, however um,
1: advanced clockwork could have gotten, there yeah, we go.
0: Yeah. So this book by Meljon Brook, uh, The Iron Duke, is a really interesting evolution of that because I, I it was written right around the like, I mean. Her last book in the series, and I think there's like eight books, eight or nine books, came out in 2014. So it was kind of coming oh. out just as the as the wave was was kind of dying a little yeah. bit, which I think is interesting. Um, but it definitely it it integrates a lot of things like nanotechnology. Um, it, it it talks a lot about um, racism and colonialism and the after effects of colonialism. That's good in, though. And and that is a feature in a lot of steampunk, and we're going to get to that. But I hadn't really, you know, looked at it in any sort of critical lens, right? No. I was 15 when I was kind of consuming this stuff, so I really didn't think much about it. But as an adult, I went back and I read this book, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And this is a perfect genre for romance. Um, I don't know if you listened to an episode I did with Fred. I think it's episode 12, Aliens where we talked about the, like, broader history of alien romance. Um, oh, you
1: know, I think I did miss, but now everybody should tune in to episode 12. History it's a of good app. It's a
0: very good at We talked about a lot of books. Me. Aliens. <laughs> um, but basically we talked about how in recent years romance authors have adapted sci-fi to be a much more, a much looser, a much more carefree sort of fantasy look at sci-fi. You know, hard sci-fi is almost non-existent in, totally. in the sphere, um, and they've just basically like taken fantasy rules of just being like, yeah, I made up a, a you know an explanation for why this thing works, but mostly it's all about these two people who so is gonna go fuck on a random planet or whatever. Absolutely,
1: um, which is not, which is totally fair. Like, and that which is, yeah, like I love that bridge between like i guess science fiction which is now becoming intrinsically harder and like science fantasy which is like we want to actually talk about like uh global themes we want to talk about like not just the technology but like the people involved and I'm, I'm cool with that like that seems that seems like a natural sort of evolution thing
0: yeah and i don't think that it's one of those things where i think it's really easy to look down your nose at people who take a simplified look at a genre um you know, I, I I think that that happens a lot in every genre uh, with like people who instead of writing high fantasy, they write like, you know, urban fantasy. Right. And people go like, mm-hmm, well,
1: well, the you fact that add- we call it high fantasy versus something else is probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that in the same way, steampunk kind of encapsulates so many of these uh what some people would i think say the low points the 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 uh what would I say um god the low hanging fruit of of science fiction of fantasy and of uh historical fiction um which is both fair and also whatever like yeah. whatever it makes a, a a grand tale that you can do all sorts of ridiculous fun utterly absurd things with and still have a compelling story and still talk about really heavy, intense things like in the Iron Duke. Um, we talk about the main character, Mina. She is, uh, she's non-white or her, her mother was white and her father was one of the occupiers um, because Europe has been colonized at, oh, at this point and it is okay. after they have okay. uh, fought to, to get there. um, their freedom back. So we're, we're post the colonization, but living with the effects of being colonized by, I don't want to spoil anything, but basically, uh, if the Huns had gotten uh, nanotechnology, they would have taken over. They would have taken over the world, right? Because, like, yeah, their their military operation is absolutely insane. So that's such if, a
1: civ- That's such a Civilization Six style. Like, if you gave the Huns nanotechnology, what do you think would have happened? What would well, have
0: happened? Well. What happened? What happened? <laughs> people wouldn't have yeah things would have been a little different so it's post (laughs) world
1: victorian europe it's like well yeah yeah
0: um and so you know mina is she's a detective she's also a member of the upper class class her her mother was a um you know a lady and she's she she's not technically her father's daughter uh her mother was uh She was conceived in what was called a frenzy, which is to say that, you know, at certain points they would turn on these, this like little radio transmitters and all of these little nanobugs that are just in everybody now um, would force you into like a frenzy, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, Oh dear. Yeah. And so many, many people would just end up pregnant with their occupiers' children. Um, And, uh, yeah. Oh, and so that's what happened
1: just there. You're like, wow. All right. All right.
0: Yeah, it's it's really heavy. Um, and the book is the book is spectacular. It's this this young woman who is very aware that, like, she's she's treated differently despite being a member of the upper class. She's everyone knows by looking at her, you know, she, who, where she was conceived and how Um Everyone knows that you know her father is not her father, and uh, she has to fight for every inch. And then uh, this man, the Iron Duke, who is responsible for liberating pretty much all of Europe of um, control of by the by the occupiers, um, takes an interest in her. He's called he 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 was he's a former pirate, and he immediately is like, "Hello, young lady, who who is different and cool and very capable and a detective." Um, and she's like, I can't be with you. I can't. No way in hell. Like, I am in such a vulnerable position already. Like, hell, I would ever put myself in your hands. Like, and that scrutiny on me. No, n- n- no. Um,
1: it's a very, very, very just good be book. Be a rebel. He's also an ex-pirate in the steampunk post-hunt nanotechnology world of like. Wow, there's so many pieces here. And and, and ex-sex by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: mm Hmm mm Hmm. mm Hmm. Yeah. 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 He's he's been made a lord in the time since for for his contributions to the war, but he's still
1: naturally. There.
0: Yeah. Um. am oh, sorry. He's made a duke, which is why he's called an Iron Duke. But whatever.
1: Um. So nobility, though.
0: Yeah. So that yeah. was kind of this this really really interesting book, which is a great series, by the way. There's so many, and and Milvain slash uh, Mel Jean Brooks like writes beautifully. Um and and has really incredible characters and it's it, it's set in a really really silly world right this is steampunk it's very very silly but it's gripping it's it's wonderful and so all of this was why i was like Shit, what's doing a steampunk episode? Where does steampunk even come from? I don't know anything about this. I haven't thought about steampunk in years.
1: And I don't think anybody's um, really thought about it that deeply. Like, I know People most who of...
0: like steampunk have.
1: Well, that's fair. That is what I learned. <laughs> I, like, all my friends who were very into steampunk went to steampunk events. And, uh-huh. like, maybe- Maybe had like one or two pieces of steampunk media, but I don't think there was ever somebody who was like so invested in steampunk that they could tell you like this is the origin. This is the first book or this was the first piece of media that really like put it on the map. I'm like, I never even thought about it because I don't think anybody else had ever really broached it up until this point. So let's Mm -hmm. go on an adventure.
0: Okay, so I found this really, really interesting and kind of long article on uh, historian.org um called steampunk for historians by scott p marler um who is a professor uh, of history and i was like this this is the most bonkers shit like people who love steampunk can take it so seriously and i love that i love people who are so unabashedly into their thing i love weirdos like yes
1: like good for you i'm so glad you found that thing that really lights your soul on fire or I don't know. Uh, especially
0: in the face of like cringe culture, right? Which yeah. I I despise this idea that like once something becomes commodified or co-opted or popular, uh you the people who like it are inherently cringey. Um yeah. I, I hate that. I hate that. I hate this idea that we're not allowed to like things unless we like them, ironically. Um, Especially which is kind of why I like, started this podcast, actually.
1: The the entire rise of, like, geek culture and, like, things mm-hmm. that weren't cool becoming cool, but there's still this gatekeeping element of, like, mm-hmm. you know, nerd stuff is cool, but those people, those people are fucking weirdos. But like, if you not cool.
0: actually enjoy it, it's not cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. You have to, like, intellectually appreciate it, but you can't just, you can't just like something. That's not... No. No, it's not stimulating.
0: Get get that shit out of here. We ain't got time with, for that. Like, not on no. this podcast. If you don't, if you don't like something wholly and unironically, I don't want it. I don't want it. I ain't got time no. for it. No. Um, like I I I say, you know, don't consume things maliciously, and I mean that even if. That maliciousness is just, like, an ironic sense of, like, who isn't this fucking stupid? Like, don't do that. It's a waste of your time. Don't do it. There's no
1: reason. Like, if you don't enjoy it, like, go find something you do. You don't have to make fun of something that, like, somebody else appreciates. As long as that thing isn't, like, horrific and toxic and, damaging. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I found this article and I was like, man, people really like steampunk. And I... (laughs) And they still do, which I love. I love that this is still happening. Um, it's going to have a I,
1: second wave in a big way. And I cannot oh wait.
0: God. Those TikTokers, the moment they get on fucking ste- steampunk, it's over. It's done.
1: Because <laughs> it's all going to be the youth. They won't know. They won't know where we came from. They won't have no. that sense of like, this was cringe. They're not going to care. They're just no. going to go to full throttle. I am so ready for the youth of I'm, today to I'm like, ready take for that reign up.
0: I think that's fantastic. I can't wait. I mean, I don't I don't know how TikTok works, but like I, I, Nora, I can't I'm wait for them to get on it. But I'm gonna read this kind of uh this this it's a kind of a long quote, but I think it's it's important for for context. This honestly, I could have quoted this entire article. This article is fantastic. Hit me um, with it. But we're gonna just gonna do this one here. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Detractors often dismiss it as an ephemeral consumer trend. American studies scholar Rebecca Onion has referred to steampunk as, quote, multi textual aesthetic, an empty mold into which any number of things can be poured, depending on the purposes and ideologies of those who employ it. For many of its subcultural advocates, steampunk's shrewd juxtapositions of disseparate historical contexts with speculative or adapted technologies serve as, quote, ethical spectacles that represent resistance and transgression in the present. In this way, studded leather corsets worn on the outside of steampunk women's clothing become weaponized assertions of self-assured sexuality, even as they also allude subversively to the garment's literal imprisonment of bourgeois women's bodies during the 19th century.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, There's a lot there.
0: There's a lot there.
1: I, like, again, I I don't necessarily know a huge amount about the steampunk genre, but to, like, lower it to, like, a wrapper on a story, just as this, like, aesthetic that can be, like, sort of fit to whatever you're talking about, like, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe. I, I was always... That was my initial impression when I didn't know anything about it. When it was just something that my friends got into, but I think whenever you reduce something into this, is just a a, a visual fad that's going to allow people to do other things. That's a little. That's a little weird. I don't yeah,
0: know. and I think I think he was talking about how steampunk being inherently a, despite the fact that it was commodified, right, It is inherently counterculture. It's a weird subculture, right? Which, yeah goes against the grain
1: which gets its um, punk name totally.
0: And and I think that with any counterculture, right, we run into the fact that it means different things to different people. Um which is like why we have like offshoots of steampunk like cyberpunk and, you know,
1: yeah.
0: aquapunk, I don't know. Um but I the the origins of this are are old. Right. We're talking about steampunk. We're, we're talking about Jules Verne. We're talking about H.G. Wells. It's been around for a long time. Origins um, of science
1: fiction. Totally.
0: Yeah. And, and the origins of science fiction, but a very particular kind of science fiction, a science fiction that is deeply constrained by the technology of the time. It was not speculative. It wasn't going forward and imagining what could be with technology that's so wholly beyond our ken, right? Could you it's, just picture a
1: hundred years in the future when we have gears? Like now. When we
0: still have things that we use today? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like the creative
1: repurposing of extant technology, which is so much better. Mm
0: hmm. So, uh, it wasn't named until it, there's. It, Pretty much, it was named in, like, a letter by this author until 1987. Which, of course, of course, the 80s. Of course, of course, of course. Um, (laughs) We
1: get Gibson. We get Blade Runner. We get all the the punks coming in with, like, Mm -hmm. cyberpunk. And sure, naturally, it was going to pop up in the 80s somewhere.
0: Yeah, of course. You know, obviously. Uh, That's when people just started just putting on whatever they wanted and and having fun with it, right? And making home videos and stuff. Um, And also, science fiction was was really evolving at this time you know we were kind of evolving out of the strictly pulp realm of just kind of pumping out stories as fast as we possibly could and and moving on to like you know diversifying the genre and maybe being a little bit more thoughtful with it serious Um,
1: novelizations and things that got taken seriously for a change yes
0: exactly um so the turning point in cultural relevance like i said was 2006. um and this is again a quote from the article uh those who sneer at steampunk often flatten out its history and emphasize this moment when the corporate mainstream temporarily rebranded the movement and commodified its aesthetic and when i think of commodifying steampunk you bet your ass i think of wild wild west yeah
1: like things that people wild west and things you could pick up at hot topic because Mm -hmm. hot topic was going to start owning it and it's Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and uh what, what was it sky captain the world of tomorrow
1: Oh my god, and the (gasps) Rocketeer. Yeah, the Rocketeer. Oh. Uh Wow. Suddenly I'm remembering, oh right, yeah, no, I know a lot about steampunk apparently. Mm -hmm. There are all sorts of things that you just And they came out all
0: at the same time. Yeah. All the same time.
1: In a beautiful Mm -hmm. singular moment.
0: And and you know, like what happens with with most things that get kind of co opted, like like when a meme gets taken. By a by a corporate Twitter account, and you just go, "Oh no, that's not."
1: You just see it, and you're Leave. like, "I don't like this anymore."
0: Bad mouth feel, you've ended it. Uh, or when like Elon Musk po- posts a meme on Twitter, and you're like, "Oh, I guess that's done now." Oh god. Um,
1: the death knell that is the billionaire. Tr- yeah.
0: You're not relevant. Stop trying.
1: Yeah. Stop. This is not how uh, you're going to connect to the kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it kind of you know it flattened it right. It lost it lost its its truly counterculture vibe it's 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 meaning um but you know like like with all things uh hollywood comes in and then it goes out so they quickly realized that they were just being made fun of
1: just buffs (laughs) it up a little but eventually you're like oh you're just you're just doing this as a joke never mind
0: steampunk movies did not make money right they didn't um but i
1: would not assume no
0: (laughs) I I find it really interesting. You know, I've been sitting on this for a while and I'm thinking about. I was like, okay, what are like some really strictly steampunk pieces of media that I know? And honestly, I couldn't come up with that many that were so just like, you know, that 100% that aesthetic. And of course, I'm also thinking of like Around the World in in 80 Days or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, That terrible, terrible film. Um, But they. While the the hardcore fully steampunk media kind of disappeared, steampunk has permeated so much more than I think we realize. Um and it's and it's kind of gone unnoticed. Like we've kind of just assimilated steampunk aesthetic and steampunk values.
1: Which is so uh, on theme.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. It's this like I it's so sneaky. Like I, I was thinking about, um, one of the last events that we, we had or we were going to have at the bookshop was Natasha Pulley. Um, um and her sequel to The Watchmaker of Filigree Street. Which
1: is on uh, my bedside and I have yet to read. I am so close though. This
0: is dumbass. You gotta read that book it's a very good <laughs> book. It's so pretty. Um, it's extremely pretty. But the the sequel uh, is The Lost Future of Pepper Harrow. And that book is steampunk. That book is steampunk.
1: Like, when I was trying to come up with examples, I thought there was a part of my head that was like, do, would you, would I call um, the first book steampunk? And I'm like, technically, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, like, rebellious, subversive elements and, like, ch- challenging the status quo. And it does technically revolve around Victorian era use of, like, clockwork technology, which is the driving yeah. factor. So I'm like, I guess it is. It doesn't... Mm-hmm. Technically, tap into the full aesthetic portion that they were saying it, is all. But it Steampunk. leaks
0: in there. It but leaks it in there.
1: Does it's very serious. It's a kind of I guess serious take on the genre in a way, even though it's still about time travel and um the precious ability of being able to see the future, but or see the past as the future. Still, no. It's, Spoilers, it's I guess thing. it's
0: a whole thing. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was like, "Huh, what else? What else is there?" And I was thinking the Hellboy movies. Hellboy movies. A lot of the technology oh, yes. in Hellboy movies, despite being set in the modern day, are clockwork. Uh, you know, I I think that it is it is in much more than we realize, um, and it's it's there that I think we really get to talk about how like romance. The romance genre kind of takes these things, these kind of weird, countercultural, like non-mainstream things, like alien romance, like steampunk, uh, and kind of just runs with it. Um, and, and, just, and and you know, romance has always been a safe haven for things that aren't necessarily super embraced yet or are made fun of yet by the, by the wider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they leak out, right? And I think. I, romance and steampunk go hand in hand i don't know a single one of those books or movies that i cited that does not have a central romance plot
1: yeah 100 percent. i mean the entire i mean i haven't read the sequel but um we were just talking about natasha Poley, and the first book is entirely about romance it revolves around romance which is also sweet and, and wonderful because it's very not pure but it's it's very It's just, it's a
0: lovely story. It's a, it's a really good book. And I'm very sad that we did not get to do that event because COVID happened. Oh
1: God. (laughs) I made a
0: whole, I did like a whole thing for that. Anyway, uh, we, we were going to like print out like a, a, a PDF on how to do like paper sculpture of an octopus. And it was like a whole thing.
1: The decorations could have been amazing.
0: Tragic. We never got, we never got there. Unfortunately.
1: We haven't gotten Um, there yet.
0: It's true. Natasha we will, we'll get you. Um, And I I think it's here, you know, that we, it's good to talk about how the real definition of steampunk is, uh, here's what I think it is. Um, Steampunk is embraced uh, not as a rosy revision of the past, but rather an exploration of the perils of, quote, progress and imperialism, racism, homophobia, and sexism.
1: Which is about the most modern thing you can write about, really. Like, none of that's going away, apparently, anytime soon.
0: And, And, you know, again, to talk about with romance, just like with, you know, the silly premise of a human woman falling in love with an alien or vice versa, right? We get a really deep, very important message hidden under a silly premise.
1: Exactly. Like, it's... I guess it's almost more approachable when you when you have the the complex nature of like these are things that really exist in the world like mm-hmm. um, um, like the Iron Duke you're I'm sure about to go into of like there's the main mixed race character and like a person from a different class and like mm-hmm. you can say that as in they're an alien. And yeah. maybe that's a little more digestible, which is sad, mm-hmm. but is also like good because it provides that avenue.
0: You know, there it's the it's the gummy vitamins of of making you, you everyone a better person. That's such right?
1: a wonderful image—the <laughs> gummy vitamins of social themes.
0: Yeah, please take your gummy vitamins. You'll enjoy it. You'll think it's candy, but really, you, you're being healthy.
1: This is for um, your growth. This is to make you yeah. better.
0: Exactly. Like, to please, please, God, don't be racist. Please,
1: please be please. a healthier human being.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, strong hair and nails and moral fiber. Um, so. <laughs> uh i i kind of i was i was trying to sum up my thoughts right on on why romance is such uh i mean why steampunk is is so ripe for romance and and i i came up with this i said it's sci-fi but it's fantasy it's historical but it's modern it's safe it's a safe place for romance authors not to take any fact too seriously and yet to tackle weighty subjects they're, also, there's a lot serious. of kink.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there is. I mean, the fact that you're <laughs> yeah. like, there's going to be a corset. There's naturally going to be fishnets in there somehow, I suppose. What kind of boots will I wear with this?
0: Uh-huh. There's swords. There's, there's, uh The sexiest you know, of weapons. Gloves. There's, there's funky little top hats. There's, you know, man, got it all. The goggles
1: uh, really draws the eye to the eyes.
0: <laughs> the goggles draw the eye to the goggles. <laughs>
1: i first noticed you with the brass couplings around your forehead but once those came off and i saw the the deep luster of her eyes it's a lot there there's a lot there can we just write we're gonna let's just let's just try there's and lot... write while we yeah. go let's
0: just write a steampunk romance
1: right here yeah. right now
0: <laughs> i tried that the christmas episode it didn't go well um yeah so i i i I was really taken by this, and this is kind of an amorphous episode, right? We're not really breaking down a single book that much. We're not really even... Obviously, we could go way deeper into the history of steampunk. There is a quote-unquote definitive history of steampunk out there that I tried to read, but boy, of it was... Of
1: course there is.
0: It was dense.
1: How I'm long link is that?
0: Um, I don't know. It's on a blogspot page.
1: Gotcha. It's immeasurable, <laughs> naturally.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it felt like it went on forever. I I got I got halfway through and I was like, I think I got it. Um but it really goes deep. It goes very granular. It's by Corey Gross. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the uh in the description. Um but he like there's a whole like thing behind that too. Like in it's posted by somebody who's not him, but who's a friend of his, and there's like a description at the top that's like, here's the essay that he wrote, but he deleted when he was trying to distance himself from the steampunk fandom, and I was like, <gasps>
1: When someone is trying to distance themselves from an entire genre, (laughs) well, well. What
0: happened? What'd you do?
1: The drama that never leaks out into the rest of the world, unless you're part of it, you don't know.
0: Man, but there is always drama going on. Let me tell you, I'm talking about Inuyasha right now. There's always drama in every fandom, bud.
1: Would Would we constitute Inuyasha's potentially steampunk anime? Could we make that?
0: No, but that is a genre.
1: It I mean, is. it's time
0: travel. It's time travel anime. Yeah. Not, it's not awesome anything about it. They don't use gears or anything.
1: Yet. Season two. Yet. Well, not season. Well,
0: they have their sequel series. I'm not going to get into it because I'll talk about it for forever, but it's garbage. Um, And I, I'm not watching it because I knew it was going to be garbage. But like my 10-year-old inside me, right, the, the one that I keep deep, deep inside my brain is constantly like watching for news on it. And, yeah, like, that,
1: that kinda, never gets like, out ever. Mm.
0: And, and it's, it's, it's really profoundly bad. If they did that, I'm just, okay, real quick, little time, little tangent. <laughs> real quick. They did the anime thing where they did, they ended a series. Every, the people who got their happy ending, they, they, you know, the heroes prevailed. Okay. And then they did a sequel series where they then said, jokey jokes on you, bitch. Uh, they don't get their happy ending. They're terrible parents and everyone's sad. Also, your favorite character's a pedophile. Enjoy that! And then just, wow. we're like, take it. Take it. We know you want it. Take it.
1: That's just um, a really hard start to anything. Like, yeah. here, I'm going to crush up your dreams and make everything horrible. Would you like to eat more of this? And you're like, not uh, really.
0: I don't understand the impulse to, to, uh, like, go back and, like, retcon a happy ending. But, again, I'm a romance writer, right? So, like, my my whole goal is to give people happy endings. We have so, earned this. <laughs> the idea of someone going back and being like, actually, they're bad parents. And being like, oh, no, God, can, can we just,
1: God. We got there. We earned our happy ending.
0: <sighs> yeah, man. Anyway, that's really just, that's the end of the Inuyasha segment of this show. But anyway, if you're watching it, I'm sorry, and you shouldn't be watching it anymore. Stay tuned uh- <laughs> for
1: the next episode of inuyasha specifically that will go on
0: the, the yasha cast
1: i mean you could do it now there'll be a lot of there all the feedback will be but what about the inuyasha episode and you'll have to go damn it okay i guess it'll I'll just that. it'll
0: just be me talking shit about Hime, like <laughs>
1: just non-stop for like yeah. two hours
0: here's why you did it bad
1: <laughs> i've i've got this it's the, it's the uh it's the charlie from always sunny meme like pointing at yes. the board while ranting. That's just gonna be the... you for the entire podcast.
0: I'll go full Pepe Sylvia on uh on Yashahime. It's true. It's true. <laughs> anyway, um I I then was trying to like catalog right um the stuff that I'd read that now that I reevaluated what steampunk was, I was like, Oh shit, I think I've read more steampunk than I thought.
1: Like what else counts um, now?
0: A lot of things. So I read The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter by Theodora Goss um, last year, which... Eh. I read the whole thing. It wasn't...
1: <laughs> I finished it, but...
0: <laughs> it's basically It's just fan fiction. It's just fan fiction using, like... Uh... Doctor Morrell and 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 Sherlock Holmes and 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 Jekyll and Hyde and stuff like that. It's just like everyone has a daughter and and they all somehow get together anyway.
1: Of course something.
0: they do, yeah. Um, but that one was very much steampunk. Um, and then we've got obviously the Iron Duke. We've got um, the Watchmaker, Filigree Street. You know, I I I was thinking about Lisa Manchev's book. Um, God, oh eyes like stars. Um, that sounds right. Like- um yeah. that that one was one of my favorite books when I was like like thirteen. Um that's set in a theater that's very much steampunk. Uh it's got a lot of that like steampunky elements. And of course that was right at the right time. That was like two thousand seven, two thousand two. Hit
1: the sweet spot for like getting the audience in. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when I'm like thirteen and I'm like <gasps> Shakespeare's characters come to life in a magical theater, and then also a girl who dyes her hair a bunch of different colors all the time. Ah!
1: The ideal, You're like everything that I've wanted.
0: Oh my god! Um, one of the characters, uh, from the Tempest is one of the love interests, uh, and he's like he's one of, he's one of the winds, um, and yeah, that's very good. That's fine. And the other, the other love interest, by the way, is a pirate. So. You oh, know, well, they had my number.
1: So I'm going to read it. Thanks. Yeah. You were like, I'm just going to set this yeah. up. I'm going to deliver the payload at the end. By the way, pirates involved. I'm like, well, I'm and done now. And like...
0: yes. Um, But I, I want to end this episode by talking a little bit more about Iron Duke because it is such a really good <laughs> like book. And it so obviously does deal with these really heavy subjects like racism and imperialism and uh, classism and sexual assault and uh, like uh, zombies also.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's a lot there. Wait, there's zombies? You didn't get to zombies.
0: Yeah, there are zombies. There are zombies in there. Mm-hmm. Oh god. Uh, most of continental Europe is a wasteland, uh, infested by zombies.
1: Are we talking like like brains wandering around moaning zombies? Or are we talking like intelligent predators that are like hunting in packs? Mm-hmm. Zombies.
0: Um, I'd say about halfway between.
1: Okay. Like, mostly okay. they
0: shuffle around, but if they hear noise, they turn into, like, World War Z zombies. Sure. Yeah.
1: And Britain yeah. is protect. I assume it takes, I assume when you say this, it's it's Britain-based mostly, and it's, they're protected because they're an island.
0: It's because on the Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at one point, they, 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 gotta, this, they gotta go to France, and they're like, oh, shit, we're gonna land? That's no good. <laughs> but yeah. But France is it's...
1: a wasteland, and everybody's like, true, true.
0: There's French there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> A French zombie—that's just.
0: Oh, it's no good.
1: Or uh, I'm not—I'm
0: not, not going to make perfect. a baguette joke. I'm not going to—I'm not going to do it. I did it last time we talked about the French on this podcast, and I still feel bad about it.
1: I was going to make a joke about you could make a, a romance about a French zombie, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's already happened at this point.
0: They—they're just wandering around saying "pate." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's it. Smoking We're done dramatically. We're done. <laughs> um, I but I was I was looking it up and I was looking for like, how do I distill like this book that has so many just wacky and ridiculous and super fun and also extremely heavy elements to it? Like, how do I write a summary for that? And I I didn't need to because I found the summary uh, for it on Amazon and I was like, oh, they broke this down into two sentences. And I love that. It is perfect. So I'm going to read that. After freeing England from the horde from horde control, which is the name of the, the occupiers, uh, Reese Treherne has built a merchant empire. And when Detective Mina Wentworth enters his dangerous world to investigate a mysterious death, Reese intends to make her his next conquest. That's it.
1: Oh my God.
0: That's it. Done. I was. I respect that so much. Like a short, sweet, perfect little synopsis. <makes> perfect.
1: <laughs> it gets all the key element. Well, not all of the key element, but it gets all the important, the really important pieces. And you're like, yeah. I'm sold. This is fine. Anything else could happen here, and I'm fine with it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I also, I think, I appreciate. I like a two sentence synopsis. That's like perfect because um, for years on fanfiction.net, you only got like 140 characters to uh, write your summary uh, to advertise your your fanfic. So it, I think they god probably i don't it's gonna age me but like many years ago now they updated it to like 230 or something like that kind of like twitter did um but when they it was really funny i remember very specifically when they put out the update saying that they had increased the character limit and everyone was like oh my god we finally get like longer summaries holy shit (laughs) um uh, they put out like a little little note with it that said like, here's how many characters you get. But remember, the shorter the summary, the better the impact. Please <laughs> Don't also keep it tight. Just, yeah.
1: <laughs> just boil it down. That's all we need so is I, boil it down.
0: I got into the habit of like distilling stories into like one two sentences max um and and i i got the yeah. habit of also judging exactly how a story was going to be written by that as well so when i see something that's not like three paragraphs long i'm just like oh yes god yes thank you <laughs>
1: which which probably for a writer is an excellent challenge to you're like i have to talk about the entirety of this book that i'm writing but i also have to make it like actually intelligible in the smallest piece of information possible like that's probably a great exercise for any any writers or would-be writers out there
0: and you know what's interesting brandon you know what's very interesting about that what's very interesting about that i pulled this fan fiction connection and then i went and without even realizing it i was like i was just like doing my research you know doing my due diligence trying to look up mel john brooks and see what she's up to whatever make sure she's not like a nazi or something all the research
1: Um, just in case
0: yeah just fucking just in case you never know um 2020's been a hard year it's been tough it's made me extremely paranoid um so i i went and i looked her up and i found this fucking blurb just hidden on the wikipedia page i found this little blurb i'm
1: so worried
0: (laughs) well don't be it's a good one okay Uh, Brooks sold her first novella after being contacted by editor Cindy Huang when she was at Berkeley Publishing Group, who read and enjoyed Brooks' fanfic.
1: I mean, that's so groundbreakingly wonderful! I pulled too. it!
0: I pulled it! I knew it! I kn- I know that style of writing! I know it!
1: Fan fiction is legitimate fiction.
0: It is. Or it's a it's a fantastic training ground for legitimate fiction. Yes. I mean it's a it's a nursery for, for writers. It's wonderful. Um and I and one day I will do a fanfic miniseries where I chronicle the history of fanfiction and my personal connection to it and how it has been such a huge thing in my life. Um and how I would not be here today if not for fanfiction. Um But until then, please just enjoy the fact that she the dream happened to this one person at least
1: at least and it can happen to you too It listeners. Can. just
0: write better don't use passive tense and um also uh please uh spell check and also um uh, make your fucking summaries shorter thank you and good night
1: all of the ideas are good just tidy up that technicality you're good to go
0: Yeah, put man, it out there just...
1: make sure you make friends with the publishing house
0: passive voice just make just you don't need had nearly as much as you think you do if you think you need to put had in a sentence just kind of just, kind
1: of, just see like, if you don't see if you can't just leave. see if you
0: don't need it you don't no. need it
1: just keep it on the bench
0: 99 percent of the time you do not need it anyway I'm not gonna not to go off on a on a technical technical thing but that that being said though a lot of romance authors are extremely guilty of the same thing so i it's not it's 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 me being persnickety but i personally can't stand it because it makes a sentence extremely clumsy um it's neither here nor there. I, you got your <laughs> Abigail's being judgy face on, and I...
1: <laughs> no, no, I just heard persnickety, and immediately I no. had to giggle a little on the inside.
0: Oh, that's good, then. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the episode. I, I just... I think this is just my, my love letters to steampunk, I guess.
1: Which is a good letter to write. I mean... I've been, I've been talking a lot now, like, cyberpunk's obviously making a big resurgence, and it's super corporatized, like...
0: Hair-tubies?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, like, big video games coming out that are, like, millions of dollars, and, like, naturally, there's going to be that sort of, that lost punk element. And, like, Mm -hmm. whenever there's a... Like, steampunk, I feel, never really got... It it did, It, it was, it was commercialized, for sure, but it never, I don't think, fully went corporatized there were movies made but like we said they weren't necessarily huge successes so no. i think it's it's a genre that sort of has has the ability to re- retain that that rebelliousness that other punk genres don't really get to anymore um either yeah. because they're just in the wrong they're in the wrong sort of pool for it or because or they
0: take themselves too seriously
1: or they take themselves too seriously and why take yourself so seriously really
0: yeah you... man I, I think it's the same reason people are told not to use tropes in in writing. They're like, oh, you Which avoid is very using weird. tropes. Don't use tropes. Because it's like that's not that's that's not how humans recognize stories, right? Like this yeah. idea that you need to have everything be one hundred percent original every single time that's not how the human brain works we love archetypes we love to dissect things through the lens of what we already know and i think in that sense steampunk is a wonderful uh framework for hiding really intense messages and really good love stories beneath this veneer of something that we we have prejudged we already know and we can commit to knowing that it's going to be kind of silly and glittery and fun and got zombies and zeppelins and like little uh, monocles and stuff like that. But really, we're going to be talking about racism, imperialism, homophobia, and sexism, and it's going to be fantastic.
1: Because isn't that the point of making all these stories? Isn't that, like, the goal of a storyteller, a writer, or a or film producer even? Anybody who's who's doing something in storytelling, isn't the whole point to figure out a way to make these, like, relevant f- themes digestible to everybody that's going to be reading it? And find a way that the story actually gets communicated. And what is that if not tropes? I mean,
0: I. I think that it depends on the kind of writer you are. You know, there's the kind of writer that wants desperately to say something new every time, and I think that kind of comes with a certain sense of self-importance. Sure. Not to judge anybody, right? But there's this idea that, like, the auteur, right? This this uh, beleaguered, emotional writer who's who's slaving away over the manuscripts that's going to be the best thing that's ever, that anyone's ever known, because they're going to say something no one else has ever said before. Spoilers! You you not because you haven't, and no one ever will We've been telling stories For At least 10,000 years Almost certainly more than that We've had to tell stories ever since we started making fucking stone tools Because yeah. we had to find a way to transfer knowledge From generation to generation Read The Written World by Martin Puchner But like, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> Like, we've been over it But like uh, Or, no, sorry, not Yes, also read that, but I'm talking specifically about uh, The Creative Spark um, which I'm blanking on the name of the author at the moment, but, um, I will also put that in this, like, how we developed creativity and humans we'll and stuff.
1: put it in the description. We'll just slide yeah, that in there.
0: there's going to be so many in the description. You got so many good reads. Also, it's going to be in our bookshop.org account. Go there. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, that, I I I hesitate to make a blanket statement, right, about Naturally. what authors should be trying to achieve. Because I think it's different. You know, I personally when i write i just want to like bring someone in and let them escape and have a good time for a while um and i personally write for myself i love to explore new worlds and i love to talk about history in in the things that i write in new and ridiculous ways that would probably scandalize the people i'm talking about um but uh, i'm working on a the, the next book on my list is about a uh, 3,000 year old Sumerian man. So, uh, (laughs) God,
1: yes. In the modern day or yeah.
0: Yeah. In the, in the modern day. So I, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing really silly things and I love, I usually pick like a handful of tropes that I want to have fun with and I just make sure that I put them in there and I, and I kind of craft a plot around that. it's like, I think in the last book I, I, I wrote, I wrote, um, it's about a vampire and a medium and I, uh I did I wanted to do like a have to share a bed trope and a road trip trope.
1: Yeah, like, I will make these things happen. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I just made the whole plot around that. So um you know, I I think that it depends from writer to writer and it depends from genre to genre. I think ultimately even if even if you are like me and you don't really you're not really attempting to tell a you're not you're not shoving a moral yeah. Story, right? I think no writer is exempt from the morality of their work. You inherently are putting in lessons about the world as you see it in everything you do
1: because how Um, would you not i mean it's it's going to be about in some way how you view the world anyway that allowed you to come up with this story that allowed you to exactly
0: yeah what you value is going to be in there either in the fact that it is completely not what you value or it is going to be the things that you value most highly right so i think that you know you know it's a subconscious thing a lot of the times but i i think these essentially fairy tales, right? Steampunk and the kind of much more fanciful uh, alien romances and 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 um, urban fantasy and all these things that kind of get laughed at and who by the way the publishing houses still don't invest in. No, of course not. Cuz they don't think we want to write them, but because there's they're a
1: too huge campy.
0: business online. Yeah, huge huge Kindle bestsellers. Like so like ebooks are flying out the door. There are like 4,000 uh titles when i looked up uh steampunk romance yeah and there are like upwards of 50k of alien romance
1: and how many of them are series like how many of these like urban fantasy steampunk things are like you're, you're on book 13 of a of a series that's going on obviously people really want to hear these stories and really live inside these stories
0: and they're willing to pay for them yes but you know publishing is notoriously like 10 years behind so um you know
1: (laughs) so we can all look forward to our steampunk camp like renaissance golden age in about 10 years
0: it's coming back i've honestly i i'm i'm willing to bet it's gonna be back in the next five years
1: 2026 i think
0: i think tiktok's gonna get on it i think that the kids are gonna jump on it and and it's gonna be great it's gonna be super fun um I can't wait. I love camp. I love people enjoying things unironically. Ah. I think that this, you know, generation that's just now aging up, right, I think that they are good at liking things unironically, which is very fun. Um, Our generation was not good at that. Not so much. (laughs) I mean,
1: we didn't invent, but we definitely indulged heavily in the, I'm going to make my entire persona about the irony of all of the things that I indulge in.
0: About how little I genuinely like.
1: Yeah, I don't like anything. I just analyze it for its no. value, which is a I very American kind of... I on YouTube kinda. and a bitch about it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Brendan, it's the plug zone. Do you have anything you want to plug?
1: I didn't even think of plugging anything.
0: No one ever does. No. This is the part where everybody gets tripped up on this podcast. <laughs> even people who have been on before are always like, uh, 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 um, but, but if there
1: I... is any great fiction coming out of the brain of one other person on this podcast i would love to plug that because i've been reading some lovely chapters in wordpress so far so let's plug let's plug some of that what's what's what have we got to plug what's on the horizon
0: (laughs) my my stuff is not going to be out for the wide consumption uh for a while um but uh you know you you have god how far are you
1: i i you asked me to read like i think two chapters yeah and i i stopped at like four and then i went and got food and came back and then went to like six i think All right. but i'm All right. i i've still got it open on my phone so don't <laughs> you worry well,
0: yeah i i i was actually was editing one of the sex scenes today that's very funny um
1: i look forward to it
0: yeah chapter 14 is a real doozy let me tell you
1: <laughs> i'm gonna put a little star on it be like this is where yes. this is where you need to be in all like the full frockery i need my my boa to really get and in you scene. need to,
0: you need to completely forget that i wrote it when you read it 100 <laughs> completely disengage
1: ah this work from this mysterious person i i hope to hear the opinions of someday
0: you sent me this google drive link That's strange. <laughs> uh yeah i i you know i talked about my writing and stuff in here it, It's nowhere that anyone in the public can find at the moment. Um, I will actually, I did just announce in a couple episodes past um, that I'm going to probably in the next six months-ish going to be launching a Patreon. Um,
1: Ooh.
0: I know. Make more work for myself. All the uncut
1: versions of these episodes. Yes, all the mouth sounds. Look at that, bringing it full circle. I
0: I do have a couple of episodes where like due to technical problems they've they've been quote unquote lost um so at some point maybe I'll release them on patreon and be like listen at your own at your own discretion if you want Absolutely. um
1: it has to be for historical value it has to be retained yeah. in some fashion
0: yeah uh i but i will be eventually doing a rewrite of samuel richardsons pamela or virtue rewarded um oh. Yeah, releasing on Patreon exclusively because that shit's uh, open domain, so, so I can do what I want with it.
1: Get on that, listeners.
0: Yeah, get on that. And my hope is to, you know, at that point, you know, have enough patrons, and and once I finish writing that, I would like to do a small press release, um, of that book, and like like a nice hardcover edition. Uh, that's way in the future As and may you not happen. Should. But- but that's kind of my my end goal there. So all of that to say, uh, in the future, I will be uh, doing Patreon. If you'd like that to be a thing that happens sooner rather than later, here's what you should do. You should hit follow on Spotify instead of just listening because I know a lot of people. I, I see you. I see you just listening and not hitting follow. You should do that. That, make, that way you never miss an episode. You
1: should, you should absolutely also, like, follow. If you follow, thing. I might not have to come back. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we don't want you back, Brendan. We only want Brendan Fraser back.
1: I hear uh, that a lot, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, he's doing stuff now. He's good. But I, I, uh, you should also, if you are not listening on Spotify, which, great. Um, if you are on Podcast Addict, if you are on Apple Podcasts specifically, give us a rate and review. I know it's a pain in the ass. Believe me, absolutely, I know. But what it does is it boosts the algorithm that then – recommends the podcast to other people um you're just it's just like you kind of throwing a pamphlet down the street and hoping you know somebody picks it up and looks at it you know you're you're helping me out
1: which we do all the time i throw yeah. pamphlets down the street like every day basically if, and it yeah. always hits somebody
0: yeah you, you throw your manifesto at people's heads and it's you know it's great the ones i haven't nailed uh, to doors yeah yeah uh how very martin luther of you um but you should <laughs> you should also um you know, if you can, talk about it on social media. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. I don't know how to use the other ones, so they're, you know, a little bit of a ghost town. I do post, but, like, it's, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, hey, if you get a bunch of friends to follow me on there, I'll probably be more active. So, But we've got Instagram as well. All of those, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, are at Kingdom Thirst. If you look up Kingdom of Thirst, it'll come up. Um, send us an email at kingdomofthirst at gmail.com you can also as i just updated uh which i immediately regretted due to the fact that my friends are assholes I, uh, i put an anonymous comment feature on our website so that if you are for some reason uncomfortable with having your username attached or you don't want to send me a message through email you can put your name And you can, you know, you can make one up. I couldn't get rid of the name feature, unfortunately, but honestly, you can put in something funny there for me Just Um, everybody be
1: Brendan Fraser.
0: Everybody be Brendan Fraser. Uh, Please also, Brendan Fraser, hit me up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I just hope he's having a good day. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so you can, if you would like, if you use that feature, actually, there's a chance that. I could read your message on the show if it's like fan mail and relevant. I'll, I'll read it on the show. But if if you do that, please be sure to specify your pronouns because I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings or anything. So, um, you know, it's important. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to assume anything. That's it, man. Uh, other than that, head to our bookshop.org account. All the links are in the description. It's an affiliate account, so that way all the books that are we've featured on the podcast, a lot of my favorite books are also on there, just personally a lot of nonfiction. Um, if you buy a book through bookshop.org, you're helping the author, you're helping an indie bookseller, and you're also helping out the podcast. So, all of those wonderful things. So many things.
1: You have all these uh, options. Go and live your so best unironic life.
0: And, and you know what? Uh, put on that little bustle skirt... Put on those little high heel shoes that you'll fucking eat shit wearing. We should and, all get
1: back into those those cut off goggles. half jackets.
0: Yeah, the little half jackets yeah. with the little like sailor buttons and like the, the gold lapel things, uh, goggles, all of it, all of it.
1: Watches, just everybody, watches. I, we know you have them, just break yeah. them back out.
0: Pocket watches, cravats, like, it's I, the 20s, yeah. make it happen. Yeah, let all get weird with it. Like, honestly, let's all reset fashion. We should all t- agree that when everybody's vaccinated and we leave our houses, we're all just going to walk out of our houses in whatever the hell we want and, like, just be super cool about it.
1: Just be visions. Yeah. Yeah. Be more camp in your life. You'll enjoy it more.
0: Embrace the camp. Camp is so em- fun. Embrace <laughs> Do camp. it.
1: Live camp again. Yeah. It's the perfect way to break out of, of the last year of the virus of everything else that's going on in your life just camp it man, up a bit you will not care as much and accept in the not... ways that you should because i'm sure you'll keep caring that way
0: man like it we are so far beyond like self-consciousness and, and embarrassment and in, in our identities let's all just be cool let's all be ourselves and let's all get weird
1: i can drink to that cheers to that
0: yeah all right it's a good way to end this episode thanks for being on brendan
1: thank you for having me
0: all right that's the end of the episode goodbye